Welcome back to Vision 2030 right here on Channel Africa. My name is Kurt Williams. We are talking about the Rosebank Mall art and the craft market that they had going there. An awesome place to visit for art and craft. And uh, to talk to us about that, uh, what's happening there at Rosebank Mall, uh, art craft market, we are joined on the line by Mr. Jackson Moyo. Mr. Jackson, thank you for your time and welcome to the show. Hi, hi, Kurt. How are you? No, we are very good, my man. Anything to do with art and culture and craft is very exciting. I mean, we have just celebrated Africa Day. So how's, how's things going that side on your side? Okay, Kurt, thanks and thanks to the listeners of African Channel, right? Yes, it's Channel Africa. Yes, I uh, know. It's like, uh, yes, in Rosling Art and Craft Market, you are selling um, all types of souvenirs, which... Maybe our customers, they would love to give to give to their friends, loved ones, and so forth. Rosebank, Art and Craft Market is in Rosebank, situated uh, in Credo Avenue, and then it has been there for the past 20 years. Wow, that's been a long time. Do you perhaps know when did you guys started with it? No, no, I have no idea, but I uh, just joined when it was, like when you are joining a train that is moving. So I don't know the destination, uh, the, 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 <laughs> the, the place where that train came from. I just joined, but uh, since I joined the uh, Rosengart and Craft Market, it's been a while, and then we are still trying our best. Uh, only that, like, for the meantime, we're just affected by COVID-19, whereby it's like, our customers, I think uh, it's globally, our customers now are limited and then they are not visiting as much as like before. But well, from now going onwards, we are seeing some, ex uh, some changes. We are receiving some uh, tourists one by one, one by one, maybe maximum a day we can get maybe uh, more than 20 a day, of which now there's a sign of light. Yes, yes, certainly. And I'm sure you guys are happy about that. Hello? I said I'm sure you guys are happy about that. We are much happy and then uh, we are very uh, optimistic. That's like, no, there's a light. Things are changing right now. So how did the COVID-19 uh, impacted your art craft market there? Or how did it boost it, you know, to give the locals an opportunity to shine? No, what happened is, uh, we before we only knew that it's like uh, this art and, uh, and craft market is specifically for the tourist. Not knowing that it's like okay, we can shift our mindset and then we uh, educate locally people that it's like okay, Rosebank Art and Craft Market. This, the products which are here can also be um, marketed to local people and educate them so that they can have they know the value of 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 our product. Wow. So that is how COVID-19 actually helped the help shaping the mindset to say, look, now we can even introduce this awesome craft to the locals. And can you tell us how did the local craftsmen benefited from your craft market at Rosebank? Local customers uh, now they are benefiting. Why? Because they are starting to uh, to know that, okay, they were thinking that um, the only gift that you can buy your friend is maybe luxurious things, maybe cars or whatever. Uh, but now they are, they, they, they've now um, 
changed their mind. They are valuing the art and craft market uh, products. That is like, okay, this thing which we are selling here, uh, it, it's um, it's something that maybe uh, which is created locally by they are supporting their brothers and sisters locally, and then by doing so, it helps them. However, it's like our products are now valuing; they are valuing our products. Yeah, I can say that. And then, Mr. Moyo, generally we love outside, you know, crafts, outside uh, brands. How does the locals now, you know, respond to our local craftsmen's products? Are we as local consumers uh, jumping on board and taking advantage of the opportunity to embrace buying local? Well, I can say... Bit by bit, uh, they, they are, I can say they are still dragging their feet because they still need to be educated more. Because to them, it was that is like, ah, what is this art and craft market products? What is this handmade products? To do, uh, is what can we do about these products? We only want to go and shop in the malls and then we buy such things, fancy, fancy things, forgetting that like. Uh, these uh, handmade products are also valuable and then can maybe change, maybe uh, your display, can, you can display them, you can pre- present them to your friends. But uh, bit by bit now, their mindset is changing. They are just maybe now uh, up- uploading our, our, our work, our craft workmanship. You say the local consumer are bit by bit coming on board. Now, from yes. your side and the craftsmen's, from a business point of view, did you adjust the price tag to accommodate the local consumer? Definitely, yes. Definitely, yes. Our prices is, uh, have been adjusted so that we accommodate them. And then some of them are just like they... It's a shock uh, whenever they found a product that maybe handmade they ask themselves what time they can see that's like a lot of time was applied here a lot of wisdom was also applied there so at the end of the day they find themselves that's like no this money that maybe i'm buying this product uh is too small compared to the work that has been done here so at the end of the day they find themselves that it's like no i'll buy uh, i'll give you extra this because I'm appreciating this work, because this work that has been done here, it's a lot of time that was consumed, also some skills that were put in there. So, Mr. Moyo, you are of the notion that your craft market, particularly the local concept, and for the the consumer's sake, you need a little bit of marketing and educational drive to really get the consumer to understand that local products are also good to buy and also very quality. Big yes. I can say big yes, Kat. And then what is your, what is in your pipeline? What is in your, you know, what is up your sleeve in terms of that marketing and an educational drive? Are you going to embark on it anytime soon? Uh, yes, we are at, uh, at the moment. It's like we are doing the uh, online uh, marketing as well as uh, e- we are want to introduce also the e-commerce because nowadays uh, for the customer everything is done in online. There's no that much physically maybe coming to in store, so we have to to uh, also 
reach those uh, customers which are indoors, since we have to stay safe all the time, but still the business must do it, must also go. Is uh, Rosebank Art and Craft Market, are you working with the Department of Arts and Culture? Yes, yes, yes. We have started working with them, uh, but so far we haven't been uh, deep in our maybe uh, discussions, but going forward, we hoping to be meeting uh, probably South Africa, also uh, Johannesburg Tourism, and then we begin our, our marketing strategies. Because you can see uh, also uh, tourists are, are starting to pop up slowly, but well, we need to also, whenever maybe it's like we have full maybe um, uh, tourists coming back to South Africa, also we, we must be having our what? Our local customers are here, and then at the end of the day, we have our maybe 100% customers taking an action in the market. What it tells me, Mr. Moyo, is that perhaps, you know, uh, the tourism sector as a whole, I think COVID-19, if any, have taught us to really shift our mindsets, not only focusing on the international tourists to come and to, you know, utilize the local products, but also to focus strongly on the local consumer, local market, to get them on board. Don't you think so? Yes, 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 Kate. I agree with you. I agree with you because this COVID-19 taught maybe, um, not only maybe uh, us here, but maybe almost uh, everybody that's like, okay, despite uh, whatever, COVID-19, you can maybe do some, you have to transform your business in other maybe ways of marketing yourself, whereby it's like you can do different marketing styles. And uh, like, like I said, maybe online marketing and then... So, Mr. Moyo, also from your own experience prior to coming to Rosebank, have you been working in the arts industry for some time? No, not, not before. Not before, yes. But you are an art enthusiast. It looks like you love yes. the job, huh? Yeah, yes, with patience. It requires a lot of patience. Yeah, I'm saying I love my job with patience. Oh, what patient. I'm passionate, yes. Yeah, I'm passionate to my work. No, so. certainly, uh, Mr. Moyo. So tell me, is this a project of Rosebank Mall itself? Yes, yeah. Art and Craft Market is a baby to, 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 to the Rosebank uh, Mall. The mall is a wall. So Art and Craft Market, I can say, uh, it's a landmark to the mall, whereby it's like our mall, this Rosebank Mall is unique from other uh, malls, maybe uh, nationwide, because we have uh, handmade products. And then if you Google us, we are the first, maybe, best, if you just maybe Google and you say, best market in Johannesburg, we come the best. We come first with some stars, four plus, somewhere there. So, Mr. Moyo, can you tell us where does your products come from? Is it all South African or does it come from different parts of the region? No, it comes from a uh, different part of the region whereby we have uh, different, uh, maybe, uh, craft in uh, African countries, in different African countries. Namely, I can say, start with South Africa, Senegal, Zimbabwe, Mozambique, Malawi, uh, Kenya. Zambia, uh, what do you call this, other countries, Nigeria, we have also those products, Cameroon, also from Ethiopia, only few to come.
Wow. And then are the craftsmen here in South Africa themselves or are they just uh, sending their products here? Uh, and then how does that how does how does that Okay. Work? Uh, I can say there are some crafts here. Also also the, the some of the products they source from there from the other different countries that I mentioned. Also we have also crafty crafters here. Can you give us an idea when we come to the mall? To the art and craft section, which is the market itself, what can one expect to see there? Uh, you mean as what uh, to see, like um, like a day visitor, as a visitor. Yes, sir. To locate, uh, how to locate us? Maybe that's what you mean. Yes, uh, how to locate you, and also what can I expect to see? You know, what kind of okay. products can I, okay. can I see? We are, we are in Rosberg Mall, situated next to Opera Restaurant, uh, opposite. We are opposite uh, opposite Postnet. As you come in, you will be maybe uh, filled with the warm um, welcome of different uh, products from different, maybe, um, what do you call it, this African countries, like statues, uh, figures, Handmade uh, drums, hand-caved uh, 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 couples of statues. You will see different giraffe. Uh, in your mind, you think that this is a live giraffe, but the giraffe is maybe uh, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's just <laughs> not live. Then uh, it's a, a caved giraffe. Uh, going forward, you will see a hippopotamus, and then you. Also think that oh wow this is a you even feel to touch that you know, how does this feel but it's a it's a cave uh, hippopotamus effects are uh, uh, these crafts that you do, we are seeing at Rosewind Craft Market is it like the same like normally we you see on the road for those who are having it you know um you know exhibited on the roadsides uh thank you pardon uh i missed that is the crafts the same as those on the roads you remember when you drive on the highways or maybe in some suburbs you see some giraffe some you know uh crafts uh, uh effects there is it what we can expect no i was totally different those are exposed in sun they are not maybe as quality as ours Ours is a quality <laughs> handmade whereby it's like yourself. You feel when you visit that uh, here, you feel that uh, it was worth to come this side because what you see here is something that you won't see it anywhere elsewhere. Wow! And then is there material as well? Some uh, some clothing that one might you know want to purchase and stuff. We have materials which maybe uh, correspond to all the tribes of. Um, all the tribes and cultures of SA and uh, all over the continent of uh, African countries. Wow, that sounds awesome because I know some of the material coming up northern Africa, they are quite pretty beautiful. Very beautiful, marvelous products. And you are sure that these products are coming exactly from that country and it is not somewhere made here in some garage locally? No way. They, uh, they come from... Uh, those uh, maybe uh, those countries. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. And then, uh, can you tell us, uh, is there any other s- exhibitions that we can maybe perhaps follow that the uh, Rosebank Mall will do going forward in relation to the arts craft market? Normally, what we do is uh, by at the end of the month or two, 
we have our exhibitions that takes place in the mall so that uh, maybe we we remind our customers our local customers that okay we still have our main craft market store which is situated uh, down here so we put our products in aisles walkways in the malls here wow no that's very nice mr moyer uh, for this arts and craft market so how does it work mr moyer do these craftsmen that exhibit their the the talent there at rosebank mall do they pay for the space or how does it work yes uh right now we're just speaking to mr moyer i'm the manager of rosebank and craft market taking the admin what normally happen here is uh Yes, we charge them a certain fee or like utility fee for taking care of the lights, cleaners, and other stuff that you might maybe uh, think of. And then since uh, we opened after COVID, after maybe, uh, yeah, since we opened in August last year after a strict uh, lockdown, we have never charged any uh, any of the trader a single cent. They're just trading up until maybe we're hoping things will be fine. Yeah, so because we are trying to help uh, the vendors who are affected big uh, times by this uh, pandemic. Oh, so you're only going to charge them once the tourists and uh, you know, potential buyers are start picking up like the 20 tourists that you see per day coming. So those from those 20 that but comes... But not, not uh, really that maybe when tourists are here. Any purchases, any sales start coming in? I'm saying, uh, not that like we're going to start charging them when the tourists are here, but when we see that now the business is at maybe uh, 30 or 40 percent maybe uh, uh, up and running. Up. Yes. But I'm also asking the 20 tourists that is coming there, are they making purchases or are they, are they just spectators and just looking? Yes, yes, yes. No, 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 they do. Well, they cannot support everyone because we're 114 stores here, but, well, they cannot support, they cannot sustain all the traders at once, but with time, that is a sign of uh, of, of showing us now that the business um, business is always going to be fine and then we must be optimistic no i mean just by telling me about the 20 that's coming and uh, start buying that's really optimistic and it really show there's some sign of life and then you know mm. business will pick up and we wish you all the best at rosebank art and craft market thank you so much thank you so much but you are here we've been here and we are here we are going strong we are going forward and we are strong no, Things thank you very fine. much, Mr. Jackson Moyo, the manager at the Rosebank Art Craft Market. <laughs> yes, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. We appreciate yours. All the best there, Mr. Moyo. Thank you very much. Cheers, bye-bye. Thanks so much. Have a lovely day ahead of you. Thank you, sir. You too. Bye. Bye. That was Mr. Jackson Moyer, the manager at Rosebank Art Craft Market. Thank you for listening to Vision 2030 right here on Channel Africa. Don't forget to follow us on our social media platforms, hashtag Vision 2030 from the African perspective. Welcome to Vision 2030 right here on Channel Africa. My name is Kurt Williams. We're continuing our conversation with menstruation and everything about menstruation. Yesterday, the world commemorated Menstruational Hygiene Day. And uh, one of the awesome panelists was uh, none other than Kendra Shirwa. But Kendra is also the founder and director of Curi. 
curate. So we'll be talking about Candace and everything she does in relation to menstruation activities. She's a menstruation activist. Candace, thank you for your time and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so delighted to be a part of the show. No, it's exciting having Candace Shirwa with us. She said that this emphasis lays on the R. Shirwa, a very expensive surname she has right there. But we're happy to have you, Candace. First of all, Candace, can you please tell us how did the, you know, the organization or company that you started, Curate, started? And uh, I hope I have it the right way, Curate. Yes, yes. Um, so Curate is a non-profit company that was created um, in 2018 um, out of my love for academia, but really just, you know, creating that content for young people to engage in and make critical uh, decisions on, um, you know, on social issues. So one of the topics we focus on and do workshops in is menstruation, uh, because I did my master's in menstrual health management. I then took the research that I found in my master's research and then uh, transformed it into workshops for young people to to consume the content and to make decisions for themselves. So we, we, we focus on a lot of social issues that affect young people directly, such as gender-based violence, uh, climate change, um, you know, politics. And uh, more than anything, our our tagline at Curate is Edulifment for Kids, which is a social cohesion, cohesion of education and upliftment, because we believe more than anything that the way young people should be learning about social issues is through critical engagement um, and social discourse rather than just reading from a textbook um, and just like learning, like, you know, repetitive learning. So, yeah, that's how Curate was learned, uh, was formed rather. Um, and it's been a really great journey for the past four years, I would say, where we've just been able to engage with over 300 participants in Gauteng um, through our menstruation workshops. Yeah. Wow, that's a mouthful. But one thing I've left out, Candace, please forgive me for that. Candace mm. is also known as the Minister of Menstruation. Candace, can you please tell us how did that title came about? Um, so it's the same, so the same, the same way that I created Curate. It was basically um, my research that I did at the University of Witt. Um, and I, I just decided to, you know, be more vocal about a natural and biological function that affects half the population. Because I think oftentimes people tend to forget that periods is a natural function, but when we don't speak openly about it, it has a huge impact on, on people. So as the Minister of Menstruation, it was just important for me to just bring that form of awareness. And the term really came from, you know, social media. People on social media were saying, you know what, you're doing a lot of work. Um, and you're inspiring communities, and so you should just be a minister because of the amount of work that you do. So I've just gone along with it, and it's definitely taken me far, and I've been so grateful for just the recognition and the awareness that I've been able to bring to communities. Yeah. No, Candice, it's always a pleasure talking to someone of your stature. I tell you, it's an awesome thing to have someone, you know, that we need to celebrate in South Africa. You say you did your master's. Uh, repeat that part again. I'm not masterly there yet. <laughs> So I did my master's um, in international relations at the University of Witt. Um, and essentially my master's was focused on looking at how menstruation should be viewed as a human rights issue. Um, my, my thesis really focused on understanding how 
if young girls in particular don't have um, access to sanitary products, then they'll miss out on school. Um, and if they don't miss, if they do uh, decide to go to school and still don't have access to those products, then they will choose to use unhygienic materials, which will then further cause detrimental health consequences for them. So more than anything, you know, um, my master's was just really focused on that and, and trying to implement policy so that governments and uh, countries could be able to just consider periods periods or rather menstruation as a human right. So you say you did your master's in international relation in regards to or in relation to menstruation? Yes. So international relations in terms of looking at it from a human rights perspective. Because international relations looks at, you know, just how states and, 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 and in particular governments, how they implement policies and within human rights, just looking at how a specific natural function can have a huge impact in terms of allowing menstruators not going to not to not go to school to not go to work and then not allowing them to manage their peers in dignity and that is an infringement of their human rights so that's essentially what the research was about and i mean if if, if your listeners would want to read further of the, the thesis they're more than welcome to research the paper which is online um and yeah it's it's it, it, it's not a complicated paper at all i mean more, more than anything when i try to write things i try to make it very very simple so people can understand and be more more, more aware of, of this issue. But you know, doing your master's in something and being a master in something and then coming from a you know, grassroots level person, the perspective of easy and not easy is not always the same. But nevertheless, mm-hmm. we get your point. We can go online and get the paper. Where online? So if you Google this ETB, which is essentially the electronic thesis database, um, it'll come up in the first link. You will just click on it, and then you type in my surname, and the paper should come up as Menstrual Health Matters. And you can just download it for free, and you can you can read it anywhere, anytime. Um, so yeah, it's available on the VIT ETD website. Great stuff. And then tell us, uh, when you were done with that thesis, uh, are you waiting for your results, or do or did they already crown you as a PhD? <laughs> no, I've, I've graduated with my master's in 2019, so I've, I've, I've already, I'm already a master's uh, of arts uh, graduate. Um, so yeah, I've, I've, I finished that degree in 2019. Um, I'm, I'm still planning on doing my PhD in the next year. I just want to make sure that in terms of every, in terms of curate, I can at least you know be able to continue doing my PhD and still have the organization running on its own. Yes, that is very important because we, we need more black and uh, PhDs here in this country. <laughs> mm, yeah, we do. We out, really of my, do. Uh, out of my selfishness, we need more PhDs. So please make, make sure that curate makes time for you, please. Definitely. I will definitely make sure. And I, I don't know how I'm going to manage being a doctor, minister, but I'll try. I'll, I'll figure it out. <laughs> no, 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 no. You don't have to try because uh, 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 our doctor, minister of health also does it, does it. Right. Yeah, no, you're right. I can, it can be done. It can be done. <laughs> it can be done, doctor, minister. <laughs> No, that's awesome, and we I, I love celebrating people. You know that really inspires our Africans and Africa as a whole, and especially you know showcasing how the importance of education. You know, education is key, and uh, we really, really you know had to celebrate uh, people like yourself, Candice. So now you're going to go for your PhD in the same field, I guess. Yes, definitely. I think more than anything, I'd like to extend 
the research um, and focus more on a cultural perspective to, to really understand where does this shame and stigma come from with regards to periods, especially considering that we're a very progressive society um, and, and, and just seeing whether if, it, if it's culture that, that, that feels the shame or is it just that misconceptions we hear from other people? Um, because I think a lot of times when young girls are menstruating, the first thing they told is that you, you cannot touch boys, you cannot cook, you cannot touch a flower, you shouldn't, you know, wash your hair. There's so many do's and don'ts that you shouldn't do on your period. And I think it's just, it, it, it's really an, important to understand where it comes from, especially from in, in South Africa. So um, that's what I would potentially like my PhD to focus on. No, that sounds awesome. We uh, really give you all the support you need, my friend. But there's also one element that you also need to make sure that they also understand, and that's that male figure, because they can always be a very great deterrent, you know, when it comes to your education. A hundred percent. It's very important to put men men involved in menstruation, and I think it, it starts with telling men that they shouldn't be afraid to buy sanitary products or, you know, to get period medicine or to just simply have the conversation with with the menstruators in your life about periods. I think oftentimes men think that if they engage with the topic of periods, they're probably going to die or something, but that's not the case, you know. <laughs> um, I think it's, the more they understand about the biological process, the less afraid they'll feel about it and the more confident they'll feel to just be involved in helping and supporting because men will understand that every month we go through a crazy amount of symptoms and so all you can do is just be supportive. I mean, that's all we're asking for, just to be a supportive ally whilst you're menstruating. Yeah. No, awesome. So, yeah, let's go into it. So, first of all, your international relation uh, 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 um, masters that you did uh, specifically from a human rights perspective what was your discovery so my discovery was that um you know in terms of policy countries um in, in eastern and southern africa have the policies to tackle period poverty however there's no willingness to implement the policies and it's simply because the silence surrounding periods is a real motivating factor as to why there are no policies in ensure, in ensuring that young girls can still go to school with uh, pads, ensuring that young women who are working can take leave off when they're on their periods. And it's because we're not talking about them. And that was the main discovery. The the silence around our periods because we're told to, or we're rather conditioned to remain quiet over this has a huge impact on policy, has a huge impact in health, it has a huge impact in education. And for me, it was just so interesting to discover that there were policies that were created, but governments just haven't implemented it because they haven't had enough pressure. So that was that was something that was very interesting for me to discover. Yeah. Why is menstruational health and hygiene a uh, human rights issue when it comes to, you know, in, in, in your line of work? Um, so for me, I think when when I say menstrual rights are human rights, it's, it's essentially just always po- pointing to the fact that if you think of, you know, going to the toilet and realizing you don't have toilet paper and you're stuck, you have no access to toilet paper, then you have to use other materials and those other materials might not be easy to use. So the same goes for menstruators. Um, young girls who are in disadvantaged areas 
who don't have access to sanitary products will have to use unhygienic materials like cow dung, leaves, newspaper, um, old old cloths, and that can lead to health infections. Um, and and that is that that in itself is a human right violation of health. Um, and then them missing out day uh, school days is a human rights violation of education. Um, and then in terms of education, in terms of like resources, access to infrastructure, when we look at the, the state of sanitation in South Africa, um, you know, we see pit latrines in this country. You have to then ask the question, how do you expect to change a sanitary pad or wash your hands if young children are drowning in toilets? Uh, so it is a human rights issue because dignity is not being met. And simply what menstruators are asking for, menstrual activists are asking for, is to make sure that young girls are able to go about their day-to-day activities without this natural event being an obstacle for them. Because we didn't choose to menstruate. And I think for me personally, if I had the choice, between menstruating and not menstruating, I'll choose not to menstruate, but I can't. And so we need to have we need to have governments that at least have policies that are friendly for us to continue to do what we need to do. So yeah, that's why it's a human rights issue because if you don't have the access to these things, it can cause a lot of human rights violations. Candace, thank you for that input. I really appreciate it. Uh, however, I can't help but to ask the following question because normally. And again, this is probably just my traditional way of thinking. When you talk about PhDs and, you know, master's degrees, it's normally in relation to uh, occupation that one day you're going to have to occupy or apply for a job. In your case, once you have that credential, what kind of jobs can you apply for or what can you do with that qualifications? Mm. Um, so definitely if you're in the space of international relations, uh, the, the list is very, very wide. Um, it can, you, can, you can be a researcher, you can be a lecturer, you can be um, an academic. You can also be within the, the, the diplomatic space where you are working for DERCO, you're working for any other international organization like the United Nations, um, you know, World Bank. Um, for me, person, for me, uh, when before I started curate, I, I had worked at the United Nations um, as a researcher. So I was able to research on the ground, you know, sexual and reproductive health, including menstruation, and then that just sparked my curiosity to then venture and expertise uh, to, to be an expert in, in menstrual activism, or menstrual health rather. So there, there, there's a wide range of um, you know vacancies or jobs that you can be involved in, but it's just more. more or more rather about, you know, your passion, you know, and your expertise. So if you're very passionate about being about climate change, then you'd find that you could easily be a director for a climate change organization. If you find that you are more involved in like diplomacy, then you could easily find yourself in a job at Durco. So there's a lot of jobs that are available and I think more than anything, um, it's just it's just it's just all more about your passion and your purpose. Oh, great stuff. I just wanted to have an understanding in terms of, you know, what is your career, you know, options out there. Nevertheless, this is your passion. But coming back to the stigma issue, so I want to twist this question a little bit. I want to ask you, why is it important to educate boys about menstruational health and hygiene rather than the girl? You have to educate both of them, but in particular, boys need to be educated about the process because 
um, boys or, or men in particular are, are partially responsible for the the cycle, um, or rather the the, the 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 perpetual cycle of of of, of period taboos. So what I mean by that is that oftentimes. You know, we, we often hear these period myths and taboos from, from men and boys who say, you know, I was told that if I touch you whilst you're menstruating, this and this and this and this, and then it happens that the the, 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 the man will then pass it down to his boy child, and the boy child will then pass it to his boyfriends, and then so far and so far. So I think it's, it's so important that boys are educated about the biological process and understanding that this happens every month and then to also understand that if in the event they see someone who has stained their skirt or stained their pants they don't laugh or bully but instead be more compassionate and understanding towards the situation um in kenya in 2019 a young girl actually committed suicide because her male peers bullied her all because she stained her, her her skirt. She there was a period stain on her skirt. So I think it's more than it's 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 important rather that boys understand the responsibility they have in being allies when we're menstruating. I couldn't agree with you more on that one. And then also before uh, you uh, let you go, tell us about the work your award-winning curate does. And then also give me a little bit of a background on how did you choose the name curate. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I mean, I often I often say the word, um, you know, I like to curate content. So C U R A T, because um, being an academic means you have to compile information and and make it appealing to to other people to read and, and engage with. So for me, um, you know, oftentimes my friends would say, oh, you know, you're always saying the word curate, and I'm like. Hmm, well, I guess I could make that as an as an organization because the idea <laughs> is to curate content that is that is uh, child friendly for young people and and all that and 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 just be able to allow them to engage critically. Um, and I mean, with with curates, I think you know, I always I always tell people that it always started with you know us just saying we're going to go with a crazy idea of let's have a menstruation workshop even if it's going to be for 10 15 minutes of people's time at least let's experiment with it and grow and grow and grow and within the six months that we started growing we at least had had a team of 10 facilitators um and i think our biggest our biggest workshop was the day of the girl child in 2019 we were engaged with over 160 girls in on one day within a menstruation workshop with a with menstruation workshop. Wow. So it was it's been it's been a great journey thus far, you know, participating and getting the engagements and pers- uh, perspectives of periods from different girls from different regions of Gauteng. And I think we're only growing in that we want to move it outside of Gauteng. We want to go be ab- above and beyond. We at least want to go within South Africa, travel more, uh, provide more workshops in, in, in that way. Um, but yeah, that's 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 what I can say about about curate. Um, for me personally, I've just been so grateful for the the recognition and awareness I've been I've, I've received especially with yesterday um yesterday was such a great day I was, I was driving all over doing workshops engagements and it was just such a blessing to know that the work that I've chosen to do is affirming that people can see the impact but people are also feeling the impact so that's been 
that's been a great journey so far. I I, I can't agree with you more, and I can just imagine how how how, how red you, you, your cheeks must be <laughs> when you see how you know whatever you do, it's actually you know worth the time. But just quickly before uh, you you go, uh, Candice, uh, can you tell us quickly about how did the TEDx you know talk called uh, Bed Blood uh, Focus came about, and how excited was it? <laughs> Yeah, so it's so, so strange to think that I had a TED, I did a TED talk last year, because 2020 was a very blurry year, but um, it was exciting to know that, um, you know, because you have to do auditions, so I, I came and auditioned, I did this the speech about periods, and they were like, yes, we definitely want you to be in, and I was like, okay, this is exciting, um, and the process of rehearsing and rehearsing was, was really, really interesting, because, you know, you have at least a week to rehearse, so it's not a very long time. Um, and I think that what was really interesting for me was that because it was a diverse um, audience, you know, like old, new, um, from different from different uh, backgrounds and races, people still were able to understand that periods need to be spoken about, and people have at least had a relatable experience with periods in some way and for a way form in mm-hmm. their life. And I think for me, what was so so interesting to see was that even the oldest oldest of men were like, I understand this, and it's so strange that I'm only understanding this so far into my life, but I'm going to definitely do something differently now going forward, knowing that so many people need access to 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 products. So yeah, um, people can watch the, the the TED talk on YouTube if you just type in Candice Chirua Bad Blood, it'll come up, and it's a really really easy uh, TED talk. There's nothing complicated about it. There's no stats or anything. It's more just storytelling, and there's even a form of an animation just to make it a little bit more relatable. And I just I, I really enjoy it. every time I I come across it, I'm like, wow, I can't believe I did this. But I'm and you did it where? Messaging um, in water by Madrand, uh, PWC building, yeah. Oh, okay, so you can do it in your country. You don't have to go specifically yeah. to the TEDx offices and wherever they normally have these grand, you know, uh, stage and stuff. Yeah, we, there are different TEDx chapters, um, or rather, yeah, uh, based like offices in, in, in Joburg. So you have TEDx Joburg, you have TEDx Waterfall, you have TEDx Cape Town. So they're different, essentially, chapters that you can access. And it's just a matter of just uh, going on Instagram and just typing it. We will come up with the different TEDx um, uh, chapters that come up, yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this conversation. No, thank you very much, uh, Candice. Shirwa, we wish you all the <laughs> best with Curate and all your workshops you're doing in educating us all regarding menstruational and hygiene. Thank you very much for your time, my dear. Thank you. Cheers, bye-bye. That was Candice Chirwa, the founder and director of Curate, a minister of menstruation. Thank you for listening to Vision 2030 from the African Perspective.